Welcome to this BGSM podcast. Today, Karim continues his discussion with Emma Stokes, president of the WCPT. They cover direct access to physiotherapy services, multidisciplinary care and role encroachment, and best practice on social media. So really, you've touched on direct access, which we wanted to get to, and social media's bursting under there. I'm not very familiar <laughs> with social media, not really keen on it. No, so, no. <laughs> um, let's just give you a chance to, you know, close on direct access in your WCPT hat and in your own experience hat. What messages do you think that uh, physios should take on board or consider about direct access in all the countries, but given that we have a big audience in the UK, US, Australia, for example? Well, interestingly, isn't it, you know, isn't it funny that the three countries that, the, that you've given the examples of Australia, the US and the UK, um, probably the extent to which direct access is available it, it differs in, in very significantly in those countries and their healthcare systems are quite different. But, you know, the bottom line is that we know that direct access is safe. We know that, um, that, 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 that people do better. Uh, those who, who decide to self-refer to physiotherapy, um, you know, they they do better. They do they do they they need fewer sessions. They're less of a cost on whatever system is paying for it, whether it's out of pocket, whether it's the public health service, whether it's an insurance funded system. There there seems to be less cost associated with with the service. Certainly, the evidence from from Scotland and the Netherlands would suggest that. Um, but I guess the thing to remember is not everyone would want to self-refer. So we know it's a good thing. We know that it's safe. We know that it's effective. But we also know that not everyone necessarily will want to do it. So the, the worry, I think, sometimes when we advocate for self-referral or direct access is that every single patient in the local community is going to march to the door of the physiotherapy service and say, you know, I need physiotherapy. Um, the evidence would suggest, certainly from Scotland and, and in the Netherlands, um, that it's, you know, it's probably somewhere around 26% of people will self-refer. Another sort of 20, 24 or 25 percent will, will go at the suggestion of their family doctor and the remainder of people will want to go to their family doctor and and be referred and that's okay too but I guess um, for a lot of um, physiotherapists and patients the the idea that we should be advocating for self-referral as a model for direct access as a model is really very important because it allows real it allows real patient choice and it allows real patient empowerment. And, you know, that those are key to to um, what we want in the healthcare system and, and what a healthcare system needs to be sustainable and to be, you know, supporting. Because if people feel the ownership of the choice and the, the ownership of the time that they elect to go to physiotherapy, then they're very much they're very more much more empowered and patient or client and probably you know far more likely to engage in some of the solutions that the physiotherapist might be offering to them the way that we that way that we change that or the way that we improve that if we want it to be improved in our countries and in our in our communities is through advocacy and and you know i I often sort of say to people, it's it's not going to happen by you sitting in a room saying, oh, we should have more direct access and we should have more self-referral. It's going to happen by you getting involved, by you being a member of your professional association in your country. And, you know, in a lot of cases, stepping up to the plate and being involved in any of the advocacy campaigns that need to take place to help that happen. From a WCPT perspective, I think one of the things that we can do is that we're able to have a look around the world and see what's happening in various different countries and bring together that information and, and, and create sort of opportunities for people to learn from how it was done in other countries. 
of course, there will be cultural differences. But sometimes the principles, if you were to take a principled based approach to to advocacy and the, the tricks and the techniques that worked and the, the opportunities and the timings, then we can learn from from other countries. And, you know, in some instances, of course, that conversation has to involve regulators as well because of perhaps changes in scope of practice. But it's about having a joined up conversation and then being able to learn from, you know, the successes of others and indeed, you know, the honesty when it didn't work about how you might do it differently the next time around. So that's a, it's a huge opportunity. And I think it's probably... You know, the last 30 years have seen sea changes in, in relation to the extent to which physiotherapists can um, self, you know, the patients can self-refer to physiotherapy. So where will we be in another 20 years time? Who knows? But I think it's a very exciting journey to be on. Where can a listener get onto the advocacy right now? Okay. So if you if you look at some of the so the, so advocacy comes in different forms and again it comes back to that issue around the types of stories that we're telling there is a direct access uh, a page with direct access uh, resources and self referral resources um, on WCPT's website it's an area that you know I hope in our uh, we'll be building because I, I you know one of the key issues that's coming out of our strategic planning consultation is this notion that you know WCPT has a great role in providing this information so there is some information on our website but even if you were to look at, you know, the Australian Physiotherapy Association, the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy, APTA, they've all had different advocacy campaigns um, to, to, a certain, to, to a certain extent about perhaps different, different aspects of, of um, developing the profession. So, and what I find about physiotherapy organizations is their immense generosity in sharing openly how they did it and how they, how they got on. And, and they're not just afraid to, to tell people about the wins. They're also really generous and honest about the things that didn't go so well. So looking at those types of websites and contacting people in those organizations. And if people want to learn a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of advocacy, I'm going to suggest that they go on to WCPT and have a look at the Congress website from 2015 where, um, and I'll declare a conflict of interest, it was a focus symposium that I was involved in with um, four other fantastic physiotherapists from South Africa, New Zealand, um, Australia and the United States. And we talk about advocacy and we talk about a model that was developed by Jonathan Kruger, um, which we've now termed the Kruger model. So there's a recording of that focus symposium on the WCPT website that actually talks about how do you do advocacy and gives some really interesting examples. Now, is this a good time to talk about multidisciplinary care with the downside being role encroachment? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting concept. And, it, it, you know, in a way, I guess if we were to flip it on its head a bit and try and talk about it from a, a more positive perspective, isn't it about role development? So, um, it's one of the issues that has emerged in the in the polls that we did for the um, consultation on uh, the WCPT Look Forward Together uh, strategic plan consultation. And, you know, I guess when when one profession develops its role, it it moves along a continuum of of, of offering and of services and, and, and scope of practice. So. If we were to look at how physiotherapists scope of practice has changed, um, we have physiotherapists in certain parts of the world who can, pres- uh, who are independent prescribers. We have physiotherapists who are in, uh, you know, very advanced practice roles where they're doing um, orthopedic triage. We have physiotherapists who are leading in the sports, uh, you know, medicine um, uh, space um, and, you know, where where traditionally, you know, those roles might have been done by sports physicians or physicians or um, surgeons. So um, 
that could be perceived as role encroachment. But in fact, it, you know, in most instances, instances it's, 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 it's embraced and welcomed as, you know, a development within the scope of the practice of physiotherapists and, you know, very much focusing on the, the best experience for the patient and making the, the, the journey of the patient more seamless. So, you know, when, when, when the scope of one profession develops, then they, they're, I suppose there's just this sense that the continuum is shifting slightly and therefore other uh, members of the multidisciplinary team or other people in the professional space start to do the, the other, the other uh, parts of what would have been considered perhaps owned by a certain profession. Um, and, and so role encroachment is, if you like, well, it's probably just a kind of a slightly negative way of describing it. I think if we were to look at it as just role development, then we just I guess there are two principles that I think are important to to talk about when we when we talk about that. And that's, you know, about regulation and about the safety of the the, the public and the safety of the person who is using the service. And so, you know, making sure that when when. That, that the, the regulatory space is strong and that there is strong regulation which supports public safety. And that's very, very, very important. And abs- being absolutely clear that when a patient or a client or an individual seeks the services of, you know, a physiotherapist or, you know, a massage therapist or a sports therapist, that they know the difference and they know what to expect and they know um, what services they are uh, receiving. The other, the other aspect then, I, I guess, is, is this sense of, you know, if we keep the, the, the patient or the person at the center of this, um, of this perspective, you know, getting the right services at the right time in the right way are really important. And, you know, sports physiotherapists are incredibly uh, well positioned to, to, you know, to look at the whole patient and to, to work within a team very well and to be able to spot when something is a straightforward, you know, sports injury and to be able to spot when something has red flags and, you know, that needs to be investigated further and the person needs to actually go and see a physician. And um, so I'm, I guess, you know, Perhaps I, I, you know, as a as an educator, it's easy for me to to know what my job is and, and how to do it. I, I'd always be, again, a slightly nervous about, you know, commenting on this in various different spaces where people probably feel slightly threatened um, by by another professional group encroaching on their role. But I guess, you know, as physiotherapists, we have to recognize that we have moved into other, you know, other scopes of practice, advanced practice. And how has that felt? And how have we experienced any challenges in that regard? And then recognize that we have a very defined, um, you know, a clear role in certain areas and um, that perhaps we will be leaving some parts of those roles behind to develop in other areas. So I guess as long as everyone is clear and that the person at the center of this who is the patient absolutely knows the services that they're getting and that they are safe and being um, you know, appropriately treated is the most, you know, is the most important um, consideration, I think. And probably a good place for me to mention that the BJSM has very broad multidisciplinary audience and subscriber base. So we have all the provisions you touched on as folks who partner with BJSM and have access and provide um, direction to us. So thanks for those comments, Emma. 
I want to just move on to social media. You're really forcing me to. Um, and it's something that uh, you've commented on before. You've got your fantastic podcast with your MACP where you touch on it. Let's look at it maybe from three different scenarios. Again, our person in private practice who's busy and they're reading and hearing that they should be spending time on social media either personally or in a marketing sort of form. Someone who might have access to a professional club, a high-profile physiotherapist would be a second scenario. And then someone like Emma Stokes, who is the president of WCPT. Why don't we look at each of those in turn, beginning with the first one that I suggested? So I think one of the things that I've learned about social media I, is that you need to understand why you use it. So you need to take the time to, to, to sit back and say, why am I doing this? Because, you know, you could just ramble into it and, you know, it can be it can be a little addictive and you're thinking to yourself, I'm wasting all of this time on social media. What is it achieving? For, so for somebody in private practice, it may be a business decision. Um, they want to be seen. They want to tell people about their practice. They want to um, just provide sort of logistical information about where it is, what the opening times are. Um, there, you know, the the other aspect of that is if you are an owner of a private practice and you want to, um, you know, be seen as a thought leader in in the in the area that you're providing uh, services in, then that may be a different reason. So, in other words, you're you're thinking very clearly about if 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 the people who attend my practice are following me on on Twitter or on Facebook, what am I posting about um, from a professional perspective that that signals um, you know information that might be useful to the people that attend your practice. So. In a way, it's, it's about profile raising. It's about engaging with the community. It's about telling people you're out there and perhaps also about being, you know, recognized as a thought leader in, um, in, in your field. But it's also about perhaps uh, patient education. So about providing resources to people who attend your practice, who've come for a few sessions uh, and then they've, they're set up and they're off and they're doing their exercises and they're checking in with your Twitter feed because you're posting about interesting um, educational um resources that might be of interest to them. So that might be one reason why somebody in private practice would be involved in it. And of course, it may well be that it's the practice that's tweeting, or it may well be that it's an individual that's tweeting, or you may be doing both. You mentioned that I'm on social media, and of course, I'm on social media personally. I mean, but, but, but of course, anything that I tweet has to be recognized that it will be associated with the organizations that I'm associated with, and that's Trinity College and WCPT. So I tweet and I'm on Facebook professionally. I don't, I'm not on them for any personal reasons. And I always say if anyone sees me in my uh, bathing suit on, on Facebook, then it's because, you know, my, my Facebook account has been hacked. Uh, nobody is remotely interested in my personal life, but I do bring a personal sense of who I am to those, to those tweets and to, to the posts on Facebook. So you can't, I, I think it's impossible to sort of box yourself off from who you are professionally. And um, you talked about somebody in a sports, you know, in a sports team or in a sports club. And again, you know, that person, you know, whether they like it or not, becomes, becomes uh, you know, perceived as someone who is um, knowledgeable and who can um, use social media as a way of um, providing resources to, to the people that they serve. So their patients and the teams that they work with and the sports people that they work with. So I think it, it's about taking the time to understand why you're on social media from a professional perspective and perhaps saying I'm going to, there's two or three aims that I'm going to have for this year or this six months on social media. I'm going to raise the profile of the work that I do so that I can, you know, from a business perspective, you know, engage with more potential clients. Uh, I'm going to um, also provide um, 
thought leadership through the dissemination of research that I think is important uh, to my practice. And I'm also going to provide um, educational resources to the people who uh, seek out my services. And those could be three very good reasons to be on social media. And then it's about, you know, setting aside a particular amount of time that you're going to invest in it, like anything. And then, um, you know, I've really attended a lot of social media talks and everyone I've attended, I've um, had an opportunity to to uh, to learn something new. And I guess the fourth reason is it's fantastic for for learning. So just being on social media and just following people that you believe are thought leaders, you know, so the BJSN, you know, it's very important to to look at what what does what what do you tweet and, you know, raising the the um, awareness and amplifying the voice of, of the research that's being published. And so that's another very good reason for people to be on it, uh, regardless of where they work. And you might want to plug the terrific chat at the recent Irish Sports Physio Conference. There was a great social media talk there, wasn't there? Absolutely. And the other thing that, of course, people can do is 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 is, is participate in conferences, um, even at a distance. So, um, you know, following a hashtag for a conference uh, is is always a great way of actually seeing what's happening, even if you're not at the conference. Um, so, for instance, for people who can't go to the IFOM conference in July next year, um, then you know, following the hashtag for the IFOM conference will give you a sense of who's speaking, what they're speaking about, and really interestingly, people are really generous about sharing their their slides. So a lot of people put their slides up on SlideShare afterwards. And so at the Irish Society's conference there in November, and there's a wonderful um, uh, uh, um, Mary Ennis O'Connor who teaches people an awful lot about how to use social media um, in their professional practice and for educating patients. And she gave a great talk and then her slides were available on, on, on SlideShare afterwards. So not only being a learning resource at a conference, but also providing the learning resource afterwards. So there's just loads of opportunities. And if people are curious about physiotherapists are curious about how to get involved with um, social media, there's a fantastic website called uh, PhysioTalk, which is which is just one website that I, that I'm familiar with, uh, which provides lots of really great tips, but also um, runs tweet chats. And tweet chats are another interesting uh, way of getting involved in global discussions about particular topics. So um, they they've run a tweet chat on a variety of different. Um, topics and in fact they're um, running a, 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 a we communities uh, conference on the 29th of February uh, again one that can be followed on a tweet chat so um, or on a, on a hashtag and the APA ran a really interesting one on men's health um, in the summer and that involved that ran for 24 hours and involved physiotherapists working in men's health from around the world so there's just loads of opportunities to engage in different ways and to find out what's happening in the research and practice areas and the developments there, as well as following, you know, the latest research uh, through following other people who are tweeting about that. And if you're listening and you're just about to be done, you feel on social media and glazing over going, if there's any more Twitter, hashtag, tweet chat, I'm going to turn this off. Just hang in there for a sec. One quick one to finish um, on the social media, and then we will come to a couple of big highlights for sports physiotherapy. Emma, a bit Twitter sort of focus there, you you know, give uh, you like the Twitter. Um, but if someone's deciding between Facebook, Google Plus, the blog, the podcast, YouTube, you know, for their business, how do they decide that? Um, you know what the thing is, I guess it's about the time that you have and the impact that you want to have and also what intuitively feels right for you. Um, I'm not brilliant on Facebook, it has to be said. It's just Twitter works for me intuitively in a variety of different ways. And I think you also have to be careful that you don't over commit. 
So, you know, if you're if you're a sole practitioner, I'd say choose one or two. There's all sorts of clever ways that you can connect them up through Hootsuite. So, you know, you only post on one and then it's posted on a variety of different other ones. And look, what's worked for me is 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 Facebook and and Twitter. And that's just a personal choice. Um, I would say if you're if you're not sure, get some actually get some professional advice. Um, or have a look online to see what advice is out there in terms of, um, you know, what other people have found to work or, you know, be curious about how, what other people are using and, and have a look around on social media and, 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 you know, don't try and reinvent the wheel. There's plenty of fantastic um, examples out there of, of how people are using it. There is so much choice. That's sometimes why people don't get started. So I would say don't let the choice stop you from getting started. Get started with something on social media and then you can start to grow your presence. Um, and if you feel that you're just not able to do it, have a look at, you know, a conference that's running, um, you know, near you and go along and see if there's a social media session at that, because you will get some great advice at those social media sessions. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Look out for part three with Emma and Karen, which will be broadcast soon. Stay in touch via the usual social media channels. And as ever, have a physically active day.